Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation is driven by one goal, housing affordability for all. They're about solving housing affordability together. CMHC offers supply-oriented programs, funding programs, market intelligence, research, data, and a team dedicated to push the boundaries of housing innovation. Visit cmhc.ca to learn more about how you can play a role in their ambitious goal that by 2030, everyone in Canada has a home that they can afford and meets their needs. CMHC helps make housing affordable in many ways. Learn more about Canada's national housing strategy, funding, research, and so much more at cmhc.ca. We at On The Way Home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. In York Region, we recognize we're on the traditional territories of the Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe peoples, and that this is the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit. And in Vancouver, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, the Musqueam, Squahomish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose presence on these lands continue to this day. Welcome to On The Way Home, a podcast dedicated to the issues surrounding homelessness and the incredible experts making a difference in the lives of homeless people. Remember to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you're listening and share it with a friend. Welcome to another episode of On The Way Home. I am your host, Michael Braithwaite from Blue Door. As always on this podcast, we have another amazing guest uh, coming to you. But before we get to that guest, We'll tell you a little bit of the happenings at Blue Door and the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness. Um, at CAH this morning, I saw that Moncton, so they're, they're a built, they, they do a lot of the built for zero piece where they lead that work. Uh, and they try and have built for zero communities, uh, zero meaning, you know, hopefully zero homelessness. Um, and so people sign up to be built for zero communities uh, and Moncton did, and they, they've reduced homelessness by 10%. Uh, during the pandemic. So it's incredible and congrats uh, to them and congrats to CAH for that incredible work they're doing across the country. Uh, check out all the work they're doing. Uh, they do a lot of work to reduce uh, homelessness uh, through their different programs, also veterans homelessness. Uh, they're trying to reduce and eliminate that as well um, through the work that they do. But check out their website at caeh.ca uh, if you need technical assistance. Uh, they have that as well. So check that out. And at Blue Door right now, uh, lots going on as always. Um, pleased to say that Blue Door has just uh, purchased a fourplex for affordable, long-term affordable rent geared to income with support housing, which is pretty cool. And we've done that uh, in partnership with Yellow Brick House, which is an amazing organization uh, in York region for women fleeing violent situations. They, they've been around a long time, they do great work. So we'll have an apartment for them and our partners, uh, Nama Reds, uh, Indigenous men, um, that's who they support, um, who are in need of affordable housing. So we'll have an apartment for them as well. So very, very cool. Uh, and that's that's the path forward. We're, we're owning more and more housing. And it really goes with today's uh, theme and our guest. It, you know, we're always challenged in this sector to come up with new and innovative ways to create truly affordable housing for the long term. I mean, there's a challenge in finding the resources to do it, who's going to build it, uh, and is it sustainable over the long term? Is there a plan? And the gentleman we're going to have on today uh, as a, a brilliant program that is growing, 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 um, and is, is really one of those super cool and innovative uh, solutions to that. 
Having said that, I'm going to give you a bit of a hint um, to our guest in a minute. Um, I've brought, I brought, I brought a prop, uh, but first let me introduce uh, Mark Soberano, who is a proud toque-wearing social entrepreneur that believes strongly that every person across Canada deserves a safe place to call home. That's awesome, Mark. His role as founder and executive director of Building Up, uh, Mark developed innovative solutions to connect employers looking for committed tradespeople to marginalized community members looking to work in the trades. And, and uh, we're not going to talk a, a lot about Building Up today, uh, but listen, Building Up's incredible. Uh, when I first came to Blue Door, as an aside, um, I had worked with Mark uh, and saw Building Up up and close and the amazing stuff that they did. I said, Mark, uh, you know, would you, would you, you ever thinking of coming north of Steeles? He said, no, I'm good for now. We've got so much going on, but I'll help you do it. And that's the spirit of this guy and the community is so cool. So we have our construct program. Uh, we would That would not have happened without the support of Mark, his team, uh, and building up and so many, else, so many others across the country. But Mark was the catalyst to that. Uh, Mark is excited to take a similar approach with raising the roof, connecting under uh, utilized vacant homes to Canadians experiencing or at risk of homelessness. And we're going to talk about that program. Mark is a graduate of the Richard Ivey School of Business. He has canoed across Canada and is overwhelmingly excited by the opportunities ahead for raising the roof. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, well look what I, I found in the archives. I was going back and I found the OG. This is the original toque, I think uh, 20 some odd years ago uh, for raising the roof. And you see, I don't know whose head this fit on because I have a giant <laughs> head. It's fitting over my earphones. And, uh, and my head as well. But they actually, Mark, what they, they had a bunch of these. And Leslie Sims from 360 Kids, who was one of the original people at Raising the Roof, told me. And they hand-rolled these. They'd hand-roll uh, the Raising the Roof piece on and, and sold those. And, of course, uh, for people who do know Raising the Roof, um, and it's not a bad thing. They are known as the Tuke group, right? Like the, the Tuke is what you're really, really yeah. nationally famous yeah. for, which they've linked the Tuke to homelessness and, and really given it a voice uh, over the years, uh, for sure. So I thought I'd... Well, that's a great uh, look for you, Mike. It is. Eh? It, it kind of looks like a giant helmet. Um, <laughs> it might even fit over a helmet for uh, yeah. a construct or, uh, or building up. So, yeah. you know, maybe we should bring it back. Yeah. Uh, Mark, we always start the podcast with um, the same question because it means a little something different. There's not one can answer, hopefully. Um, what does home mean to you? I mean, I, I think home for me is, uh, it's just sort of like safety. It's like, it's that, it's a starting point. Um, it's, it's like, what do you do when you're not at work? What is it that you do when you're not, you know, with friends or whatever it is that you do, you're home and you're recharging and you're you're plugged into your charger pretty much. And when I walk into my house, I'm kind of plugged into my charger, and I'm I'm getting ready for whatever comes next. And um, it, it's the place where I I I have to be to have stability in my life and to have some consistency and some some just empty time. That that's what it means to me, and I think that's so important to me and I can't imagine uh, going through my life without a home and, and um, I mean that, that's why I think the work that we all do is, is so important absolutely and, and very well said I love the, that you know it is a starting point 
it's a finishing point. Um, and yeah. for so many, without that starting and finishing point, it is hard, hard to move forward. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about raising the roof. Uh, as I said, although it's widely known for its two campaign, which is very cool, I think 25 years, 25. Yeah, 25th 25th year. 25th year of that, which is incredible. Started by a bunch of volunteers who said, "Hey, let's, you know, we, we need to bring some national attention to this." Um, but it's much, much more than that. And doing all sorts of stuff, and you continue that work, and you die out there. And what can you tell us about raising the roof? Yeah, I mean, I, I think when I came to my role in raising the roof what i felt about it was okay here is a an organization that people recognize through these toques this handsome piece on your head there mike <laughs> and it's continued to evolve over the year but i i think in general i mean you know the folks on this podcast may know more about the history of raising the roof but in general in the public you think of raising the roof you think of this hat and I think a lot of people know that the hat is tied to homelessness. And I think a lot of people respect the toque and, and kind of it has some sort of uh, nostalgia for them. Maybe when they were in high school or something, they remember selling the toque. But but people haven't really known much about what the, the work that 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 buying the toques is is really supporting. And to me, like coming into Raising the Roof, I, I sort of saw that as okay, this is like an incredible opportunity. Like what, how many organizations have that sort of a platform to build on that sort of recognition, that sort of trust of, of that's just like inherent in people's mind about it, just from recognizing the toques and what can we do with that? How can we make that the most impactful? Uh, how can we use this brand to like actually make as big of a dent as possible in this homelessness issue? And what we've been doing with that is this reside program which michael you were a huge part of getting going um and that's the idea of turning vacant properties across canada into affordable housing but using that renovation as a catalyst to prevent homelessness in the first place by you know if a, if a home is vacant it means that that home is probably not worth living in at that time it's in brutal shape and that represents an opportunity to renovate it and to train and employ people to carry out that renovation to gain the skills and all the experience that they need to have careers for themselves while building homes for others um and really that's what resides about it's about building housing building careers in the construction industry and it's become a really great place for raising the roof to land um it's national we do this work right across the country and we're looking to come to, to every city and, and to really the, the same way there are like these vacant careers in the construction industry. The construction industry needs people so badly. And there's all these people that are looking for work. It's like, how can these things exist at the same time? At the same time, how are there, you know, hundreds of thousands of people experiencing homelessness? And then there are thousands of vacant properties across Canada. It's just, uh, it's a it's a low hanging fruit and it's it's you know we're we're doing our best to pick it real quick um well it's really mad it's maddening right like uh, when you, you think about you know here we are in canada housing crisis and when you talk to people about vacant homes like oh yeah you know i drove when you mention it they'll start seeing more and more i drove by six on my way home now many of these are owned by 
private developers who are waiting on the land or, or by municipalities, yeah. etc. Uh, but but explain to us kind of how Reside works from start to finish um, and, and kind of maybe bring us back to the beginning. You know, um, where does that, you know, like where, where did that idea really come from? Um, and, and just how does it work? How does the process work from finding a home to finishing it to someone uh, occupying it? Yeah, well, I mean, that that process of real estate development is something that I didn't have much experience in personally and that Raising the Roof didn't have much experience in. And as we've kind of really leaned in to reside as the main piece of work that we're doing, we, we've built a team of that of kind of uh, disgruntled private developers um, that are looking to use their legitimate superpowers of developing real estate and understanding the complexity that goes into that for something good. And so we've built up a team of um, individuals that came from the private sector and they're spending their time checking out acquisitions and, and you know, looking at properties to purchase um, off the private market in some cases. And also there are opportunities at times for nonprofits to pick up real estate through some supportive programs. Um, we just won an RFP through the federal government in a program called the Federal Lands Initiative where the, the federal government has some um, sort of underutilized properties across the country that they want to see repurposed to affordable housing. They put out an RFP to the to you know the public and, and you can you can uh, apply and with with your concept and so we just procured the the a building in downtown Aurelia that is the current Canada Post building that we're going to be turning into 40 units of affordable housing and that sort of um, on a larger scale but then you know we're working in partnership with the city of Sudbury we just we just uh, they had some scattered units that we're going to be sold to the private market to raise some money for a larger affordable housing development. And we said, hey, rather than selling off these, these single family homes that are previously affordable housing to raise money for a larger project, why don't you sell them to us at a bit of a discount and we'll keep them as affordable housing. Um, and in Sudbury, what's really cool is that there wasn't a social enterprise that could train people to carry out the work but having five houses to renovate was enough to get somebody started. So now there's a new nonprofit that started up in Sudbury that's going to live on long after these houses. It's training people that are experiencing homelessness at risk of homelessness to get into the trades. So, you know, these homes kind of pop up in all sorts of different ways. Um, we're we're pri prioritizing homes that we can retain some ownership on and and really build up a base of of equity in these homes across the country so that we can really continue to look at bigger and bigger projects moving forward but in every case the home is in brutal shape and then we bring the we we work with a local nonprofit who carries out the renovation um, the first home we did uh, was an old farmhouse in Caledon and that home was completely gutted and greened to like the passive house level standards 
and we were able to train over 60 people across the renovation of that house and and 85 percent of those people went on to get full-time careers in the trades and now there's a family that's been living not a family sorry there's individuals that have been living there for the past two years um and it's just it's a really holistic approach to affordable housing development and i say that because it's not just about building the house it's all these other benefits and the way i kind of look at it is you have something that's kind of wasted right now you have this house that's sitting there unused and it's really just an insignificant part of the world and it's like how can you turn that into something as positive as possible um and and that's kind of what the team has been tasked with when they're kind of looking at reside and and you, you think about the like so you're talking about some of the multiple multiple wins with a project like this, right? So I, I look at the house you were talking about, the farmhouse, uh, you have some uh, adults with uh, special needs that are living in this house that wanted to live semi-independently, but you know needed affordability. So you created that for the long-term uh, and you made it truly affordable through greening. So there's another win there. The town of Caledon uh, now has a heritage property that's better taken care of that they can be proud of. The, the Toronto Regional Conservation Authority who owns that home now has an asset that's worth a lot more. Uh, so you've done multiple wins. Uh, in some of these houses, you said the preferred model, of course, is is to own it. But you're talking about, too, that this is sustaining over time because even when people are paying uh, very affordable rents, they're paying rent, which hopefully with enough houses, that rent contributes to the next project and your next project and helps sustain it over time. Is that right? Totally, totally. And, and now that we've you know, got a few projects under our belt and we have some rental income coming in, we're able to rely less so on fundraising to carry these houses. I mean, there's a huge, we, we've had a lot of support and it's going to continue to need some fundraising support to carry this through. But the, the power of that revenue coming in is less about, you know, covering the cost of the program and more about creating a revenue stream that can cover debt and allow us to think bigger and take on bigger projects and and make a bigger dent, you know. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, Complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. That's very cool. Now let's talk about another piece to this. Um, I mean, it would be one thing if you were just taking vacant homes like you're doing and, and turning them into beautiful homes affordable homes across the country for people. You're repurposing that. But let's talk about building up's role or the social enterprise role you said. So so not only are you doing that and, and preventing homelessness and any homelessness on that end, you're actually preventing it through, and talk to, to us a little bit about, because this isn't any old construction company coming in to do the work like a general contractor. This is a little different. Yeah, so... So there's a network of non-profit contractors across Canada. Um, these are social enterprises. Sometimes when you say non-profit contractor to someone, 
It's like uh, two words that don't often go together. Um, I would say that the biggest difference with these companies and um, a traditional builder is, you know, whereas a normal company takes on work or hires people to take on work, a social enterprise takes on work to train and hire people. Um, these are pre-apprenticeship programs that are working with individuals with barriers to employment that are have experienced homelessness or are at risk of homelessness and connecting them to the training, the income, the skills they need to get jobs in construction. The construction industry is a bit of an outlier, I think, in that there's such a need for tradespeople and the opportunities for making like a meaningful income and growing through the apprenticeship pathway and having your income continue to grow over the years is really unique compared to other industries that are really looking for people. Um, you can make a really good living in this industry and the barriers to entry do exist, but they are penetrable, I think. Like we, there is a, a proven track record of pre-apprenticeship programs that are targeting these communities to actually have success in connecting people to these jobs and for those jobs to really be like a catalyst to change the stability someone has in their life. So well, you're like, over, you're over 85% or over 80%. Right? Yeah. That of yes. going, which is incredible. Which other programs don't have that. They're, they're sitting 60, 70%. You're over 80. Yeah. And it's, it's not 85% of people that are getting a stable minimum wage job. Yeah. It's 85% of people that are starting an apprenticeship, usually starting at around 22, 23 an hour. And, you know, over the course of three, four years, getting up to 40 bucks an hour. So there have been many people for building up that which is the the organization that does this work in toronto which i work with along with the raising the roof rule where we've tried to hire previous graduates to come train our participants but we can't, can't afford. afford we can't afford them anymore which is great you know um and for a social enterprise like this what we need in order to put this all into action is a place to train people and the place to train people for a social enterprise is job sites. And a lot of the time our job sites are, you know, someone hiring us to change a floor or to paint it, to paint a home. Um, but what Reside did was it gave building up an opportunity to gut and renovate a house from start to finish. The people that were trained on the home got to experience every single part of a renovation and understand which part of the industry they want to be most involved with. And it also gave building up a, a project that we could point to and say, hey, we can actually pull this off. We've done it before. Um, so now building up has been able to leverage this opportunity and where it trained people to build this farmhouse in Caledon to do full renovations of individuals' homes, just a normal homeowner who needs a reno on their home. So, so I, I really see raising the roof having a catalytic role for other organizations the same way it did this for building up in Toronto to actually support social enterprises to build their capacity across Canada. And in some cities like Sudbury where we're going to do a reno and there isn't a social enterprise to begin with, 
to actually give an individual that wants to start a social enterprise the runway to do that. Say, all right, you want to get it going? Here's five houses. What kind of a construction company gets a chance to start their business with five houses lined up? So, so now that organization's already lined up a bunch of contracts with Sudbury Housing, and they're well on their way, and they're going to live on long after these houses are built. So that's, to me, like probably the most exciting piece of Reside is having the opportunity to create new social enterprises and to allow social enterprises to grow, but then also to kind of prove to other people who are building affordable housing, hey, if you're going to build affordable housing and you're not getting individuals that need the housing involved in working, you're, you're, you're missing an opportunity yeah, here. Like it's a, it's a bit of a wasted wasted. Shame on you. For listeners, you know, to, to, to grasp this too, this is like when, when Mark, these social enterprises do, do the work. It's beautiful work, top-notch work. Uh, and Mark mentioned, you know, to say a nonprofit contractor, people sometimes mistake that for uh, cheap in work. Not at all. This is fair price, uh, well done work, really, and with a social purpose. Like you can't go wrong. If you were to hire, why not? If you're going to get everything done that you need to, Plus have that social purpose. And here's the other thing too, is that Mark mentioned 22 and up an hour to start. I mean, we, you know, I've been in this sector a long time. We, we sometimes haven't done it right where we put people into jobs where they're making terrible money. There's not a lot of purpose. The hours are, are crazy. It's non-transferable skills. We wonder why we fail. This is how it works on prevention. Hey, you know what? At $21, $28 an hour is what it costs to rent a one bedroom apartment. What you have to make an hour to get a one bedroom apartment in, in the GTA. Hey, coincidentally, that's what you start out with these wages. So you're preventing people from experiencing homelessness. And if they've are, or they're already in, it's short term, right? You're doing that. And I've seen this firsthand with building up with our program construct. It's, it's an incredible concept. Really, really cool. So you're preventing homeless there. You're giving long term, you're creating long term homelessness of an asset that already exists. Uh, which is incredible. And as you said, there's some rents coming in. Uh, so it becomes self-sustainable. So you, you become less reliant on fundraising and government. Uh, I mean, it's just just huge. Now let's talk about, you've done, you talked about projects. Uh, you've got a couple in Toronto that you've done. Uh, one in Caledon. Uh, you, you've now Sudbury and Aurelia, which is blowing up. But outside of Ontario, I know you're working on some stuff in, uh, is it Manitoba, right? Winnipeg? Yeah, yeah. We're just about to start construction on our first project outside of Ontario. Um, there was an old nail salon in the north end of Winnipeg. North End um, is uh, primarily an indigenous neighborhood in in Winnipeg. Um, and it's a neighborhood that needs a lot of... Um, there's a lot of work to be done in the community. Um, lots of lots of individuals that are struggling there and so there was an old nail salon on a corner in, in the north end of Winnipeg that um, was likely an illegal nail salon but was quite large we purchased the property and are turning it into three units of affordable housing um, the plans are just being approved right now with the city um, the the home is going to be renovated by Purpose Construction, which is one of the first social enterprises um, of this of its kind in Canada, and they mentored building up to get going, um, and have kind of been sort of at the at the core of it across Canada. 
So they're going to be renovating it. Uh, they work primarily with indigenous youth um, who are looking to get into the construction industry. And the home's actually going to be operated by an organization called Fearless. Um, they're going to have 10 individuals living in the home across three different units, mostly families. Um, and what, what's really cool about Fearless is the guy that, that runs it, he grew up in the foster care system and was adopted into a family that was just incredible for him and gave him so much support. And, you know, we were talking about what's a home. Uh, at the beginning of this, they gave him a home. And, and he said over the course of his life in this home, he had over 300 uh, foster siblings kind of come in temporarily to... To, to use his home and what he he started an organization to try to replicate the support that he got from this woman and her family and that's the kind of community that he's trying to create and this is the first house that he's going to be able to do that with so it's like the perfect um use of a reside home um and winnipeg's a unique place because the the real estate there is you know, still on the grand scheme of things, unaffordable, but relative yeah. to, you know, what we see in other big cities, um, we we don't necessarily need a special deal from government to to give away some home that was, uh, you know, not being used by the government. They sell at a discount. We just bought this house off the private market. Um, and we've had some incredible support from a bunch of great foundations in Winnipeg and, and outside of Winnipeg. And um, we've, we've got the funds we need to renovate this thing. So cool. And uh, we should have people living in it end of the summer is the goal oh, right now. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. People understand Winnipeg, too. When I went out there um, a while back, you say, you know, when you hear, hey, someone's from the wrong side of the tracks, right? And Winnipeg is actually a you know, city divided by those tracks where it's literal. If you're on this side, tougher area of town, this side, not so much. Uh, with the houses you talk about and you talk about the grand scale of affordability uh, and this was going back I think, uh, I think it was summer of 2018 I was out there so a while back and we, some of the homes we were looking at were between 80 and 120,000 now you, you know the renovation and resale of course is not the value is, is different if you're looking at you know what's yeah. the equity in it but but still it's very plausible to do that and there's a lot of homes that are derelict and, and that that need that are vacant, that need that reside, uh, loving touch. And, and yeah, it's great to see Purpose doing that work, Mark. This is incredible. What are some of the challenges you've come up against? Because this is, you know, Mark's made it sound pretty simple and easy, and they've done a great job. But this is not easy stuff, right, to get this rolling and push forward. What are some of those challenges uh, that you face? I mean, I, I think the development process itself is a very complicated expensive process before you start spending money on getting people trained and renovating the home the process that you go through to tie it up to have the funds available to purchase the building and to renovate it and then to take it through all the approvals um it's a gigantic puzzle and when you're trying to do this with affordable rents you know the market has gone up and it, it's so expensive, but it it is um, it's justified based on the amount of rents that you're in theory allowed to 
charge out for these homes as well as like the potential resale value down the road. But when you're an organization that's not trying to maximize rents and not trying to sell these properties down the road, then the value of the property is just, and the process you have to go through to get it there is really challenging. And unfortunately, it takes the right project at the right time with the right partners and the right support to build affordable housing. It's not just um, as simple as whipping something up off the private market and get, getting it going. Um, and I think, um, you know, we're going through a process at raising the roof of trying to identify like, you know, Canada is a big scope <laughs> and it's like, how, how do you, how do you identify, what is the perfect next project? and of all the potential opportunities that might exist across Canada. And, and that's a process we're going through and trying to identify, um, starting to really shift our focus to larger scale. Like the, the we're about to s get going on this 40 unit project. It may end up being 60 when all is said and done. And it's like, uh, this is the amount of zeros that pile up on the budget for these things is, is, is pretty significant. And, it just means that the puzzle is a little more complicated to put together. I think, um, fortunately, what hasn't been a challenge is like getting people excited about this model. Yeah. We've had really great support from corporate foundations and um, just the community overall. I think the federal government is, is doing their best to, to fund affordable housing, but they're is a challenge um, with sort of fitting everything into the boxes that, that exist within like uh, government funding for affordable housing. And, and I'd say that like the biggest change that would be most helpful and would allow us to scale this quickest would be a little more flexibility in terms of like how affordable housing needs to be built and created and so that it can receive the funding from the government and we could really blow it up. Well, I'll tell you something, Mark. Uh, CMHC, who does a lot of that work, are uh, a sponsor and a, a friends of this podcast. I'm sure they're listening. Uh, wouldn't it be cool if CMHC did a special kind of uh, fund segment for the kind of work you're doing, right, to make that a little simpler? And you know what? I think there's great people there. They hear it. They know they've got to take away some of those barriers and they're working through it. I think our, our minister um, also hears that as well. So they're pushing through. So, so what people understand too, yeah. right? So for Mark and his team, not only are they fixing this, and, and listen, Mark said it, they're not getting, generally, they'll take them. If you want to give them a brand new building, Mark will take it in the reside team. Generally not what's happening, right? Like, hey, here's a beautiful vacant home. Uh, that would be really nice, but generally they're, they're in really bad shape. That's why they've been sitting for, and some of these have been sitting for years, right? And some of you actually have to say no to, because it's just, it's the value proposition, right? Now to say that, but for groups like Blue Door, right? So we're going out, we're trying to find clients whose income might be $700, $1,100 a month, uh, affordable housing in New York region, impossible in the private market, right? We're stacking up against people who might be able to pay six months rent in advance, who have great credit, that kind of thing. So when programs like Reside come and say, hey, we're looking for an organization, you know, in Sudbury now, right? We're getting, or Aurelia, sorry, we might have 60 units that are going to be affordable for the long term, like, and truly rent geared to income affordable, not 80% of market, right? Like that's usually, and it's for us, it's a godsend to say, wow, 
Like, man, can we get 12 more reside buildings? Because that's going to help us and our clients to do that. You take on the lease as org, you know, but it's just, it, it's such amazing work. There, there's so many wins. Um, and, and so you're, you're right. It's so cool to see it uh, spreading across the country. So what are the plans you see for the next few years? What, where would you love to see, like in 10 years, if you were looking back and reside, what would you say, like, this would be ultimately the coolest thing? I think what it what it means for us is um, having rather than having sort of a head office in the GTA that is looking for opportunities across the country that we actually have like reside teams scattered across the country, maybe provincially that are each developing affordable housing fully dedicated to that province and supporting the social enterprises in that province. Um, I'd like to see us start social enterprises in like every major city right across Canada that's building affordable housing. And I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to be talking about rather than getting excited about building a 40 unit building that it's like how many 40 unit buildings are we building right now? And that's kind of the scale that we're talking about. Um, It's just, you know, the, the issue is um it's a big one there's the scale of the issue is 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 significant right like it's not that we just need a bit more housing like we need a lot more housing and we don't need a bit more people getting connected to jobs and construction we need a lot more people so um really just trying to to put things in a position to to like serve that you know uh, as best as possible. It's an incredible program. You're doing great things. People listening to the show, if uh, maybe it's government, maybe it's a private developer, maybe it's someone in the sector, maybe someone saying, hey, you know, are you coming to this area soon? Um, even let's say there, there's organizations like a Blue Door um, somewhere in uh, Nanaimo, right? Or something, and they say, hey, we, there's a bunch of vacant buildings here. The town's looking to do something with how do they reach out to you, Mark? Like, is that, what are you, what are you looking for? How, how can people connect, give you buildings, uh, be a partner, get involved? Yeah, I mean, the be, because it's kind of such a holistic program, I think there's a lot of different ways for people to get involved. Um, if, you, if you are looking to get your organization involved, we're doing these corporate build days um, similar to like a Habitat for Humanity Day where we, we bring out groups and, you know, companies volunteer for the day and start helping build these houses. And they're actually trained on the day by the participants so that are going cool. through the training. And it's a really cool kind of power swap where uh, the people that are getting the training are teaching these executives from the bank, you know, how to how to frame a house, which is really cool. Um, if and, you and, and all are... due respect to these executives too, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it creates some more work afterwards for the participants because they do a lot of stuff with not so much expertise. But the heart is there. <laughs> the heart is there. <laughs> and uh, we've gotten into the habit of not removing the garbage from the, from the job sites to save a little project for the volunteers when they come. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we find that when people come out and they want to help, they, they come up, they come with a ton of energy and what they lack in skills, they have yeah. an energy and they it, just want to lug stuff around. Yeah. Me. Listen, it's skilled work, right? So it's so incredible. And, yeah. and probably for the first time in many of these people's lives, you know, for them, as you said, 
hey, I just taught, I, I just showed the CEO of RBC how to do what, like, that's pretty cool. The respect, the yeah. feeling, the confidence, right? So those build days are incredible. Yeah. I mean, one thing that we're quite interested in is um, figuring out if there's a great mechanism for an individual to donate a property as part of their kind of estate yeah. planning, you know? If, and so if you happen to have some extra properties lying around and you're listening to this and you want to think about, hey, maybe my kid's got, got enough as it is, maybe I'll leave this to Raising the Roof in the Reside program or something like it in my community, we'd, we'd love to work through that with you. Um, and I'd say also, if you work at an organization that does social service work or you're an individual that's interested in starting a social enterprise, um, we've got a bit of a track record of helping people do that and would be really excited about the opportunity to bring Reside to your community as a way to help you get that going. So um, that that's a big big emphasis and that, that kind of, you know, I was talking about how do you pick the right priority projects when you're looking at the big scope of Canada. I think a project that would help us start up a social enterprise um, is something that's really exciting to us. And as we kind of carry out that process I was talking about earlier of sort of having reside groups leading work in a specific city, you know, those would be the places that we kind of hope to set up shop down the line and to continue to develop properties and create affordable housing and training opportunities there. Yeah, I mean, I just was thinking too when you were talking about that, I mean, how complex everything is to know what the building rules are in Winnipeg versus Toronto versus uh, Aurelia versus other parts of Canada. Yeah, it's very complex and very different in every bit with the zoning requirements, all, all the kind of thing to totally. have. No one has all of that knowledge right um totally but and the connections too yeah. right and like an understanding of the political yeah. environment as well right absolutely yeah right for sure it's incredible work um i encourage you to go to the raising the roof website to find out more is this right totally and i guess the other piece just another quick plug is that the two campaign right across canada is raising money for these projects so um, we sell toques every year. This year we had toques sold in every single Home Depot across Canada in partnership with the Home Depot Foundation. Um, and if you're looking to contribute in a small way, um, buying a toque off our website is an easy way to do that. And um, yeah, raisingtheroof.org is the website. My email is mark, M-A-R-C, mark with a C, at raisingtheroof.org. Happy to connect with anyone that listens and you know, keep it rolling. So it was $20, right? It's 20. You just made me extra five bucks. Yeah. You're 15. throwing that extra five. They're 15, but you know, who carries around $15, yeah. $20, go online. You'll get that toque in a few days. You can wear it with pride. When you wear that toque, you're saying, Hey, I'm part of the solution. You know, you're part of the team and who doesn't want to you know, be part of that. But listen, if you're listening and you've got that home and Mark, it did happen. So, so, you know, look in the archives. I know, uh, back at, when we were working together, someone in Alberta donated their, their home. Now, they're, they're, yeah, they're fairly yeah, yeah. young, but that was what they did. They said, hey, I don't have kids. This is so cool. We saw this program. We saw, I, I forget where they saw it, but, uh, and they said, we want this. And it's a beautiful home. You're not going to have to do much uh, for once. 
But, you know, if you have properties, if you know of that, developers, if you're listening and you're saying, hey, we've got this one home, we don't know what to do with, we're going to have to build around, you know, Mark and his team might be interested in doing that. If you want to give money to support this, I mean, and go on their website too. Mark, there's some virtual tours there too that you've done as well, right? Like you get to see start to finish. I mean, it's pretty frightening when, when, you know, Mark, when you first go in, like, wow, man, like, you know, when when kids, there's the house of Calvin, I remember they said the kids stopped partying in it. It was that bad, and that's when you know. Uh, and then if you there was a real salad of every type of animal <laughs> feces that you, you could ever come yeah, across. Yeah, and if you look at it, it's it's just gorgeous. And, and so you, you know, applied yeah. for building up as well. I mean, they did a reside. It's not reside, but they did a project with us with the Parks Canada home in uh, York Region with our construct team, and they turned uh, a vacant. Uh, building into a duplex, it's gorgeous. And we, we do the tour on there, people are blown away because they're not just doing good enough in these houses. They're making them beautiful and dignified, so it's great living. Um, and the house of Calum, they greened, so it's truly affordable, so they're not getting massive uh, hydro bills, right? Or, or, or heating bills, right? So it's so cool. This is a great project, Mark. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for you and your team, uh, all that you're do- doing across the country. It's, it's so innovative and cool and appreciated. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. You're a huge part of it, Mike. Thank you for having us. Thanks, man. Well, there you have it. I, you know, and if I sounded uh, a little biased and excited about this, uh, it's because I am. I mean, you have social enterprise involved. You have vacant homes that are just sitting there. You have all across the country can be duplicated and scaled. It's... Uh, almost self-sustaining once all those rents because if you have a hundred homes with rents that may that means like every year you can add more and more and more without going out and fundraising the self-sustaining model it just it's really really exciting for people who want to check it out you have something you could touch feel see uh in action and it provides groups like blue door and, and others across the country who are in desperate need of truly affordable housing uh for their programs to have it everyone wins Check out this program. Be a part of the solution. Another amazing guest on our podcast on the way home. Uh, visit bluedoor.ca or cah.ca for more information about our programs. Uh, and you could go to onthewayhome.ca to check out all the podcasts from our past. We have over 60 podcasts over the last year. It drops every Thursday. Share, subscribe, and we'll see you next week on the way home. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.